Women Taking the Lead, episode 58. I was afraid to tell my audience how old I am because I'm in a business where everybody's a lot younger than I am. And at some point I said, wait a minute, let's not devalue my experience. Be who I am because that's the value that I have. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. This episode is sponsored by Luma Coaching. Want some support to get your dreams off the ground? Go to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Joan Sucken, who is the award-winning author of Build Your Money Muscles, host of The Prosperity Show, business and personal coach, and business owner. Her passion is helping people improve their relationship with money and themselves. Her sage, holistic approach emphasizes how your internal environment affects your external results, and she provides great advice based on years of learning and experience on how to address that. Okay, Joan, that's only a little intro for everyone, so tell us more about you and your own humble beginnings. It's a long story, but I'll give you the short version. Keep in mind that I was born in 1940, which for women today, you have to understand it was a very different experience. We weren't expected to do much more than just be uh, housewives and mothers. It was during the Second World War where women were just starting to get into the workforce. And so I I didn't have it. I wasn't brought up with expectations of leadership or being in the workforce or anything like that. So, uh, but as I, as I grew up, you know, well, fast forward, it didn't make any sense to me that, that my life was supposed to be what they outlined for me. And I was always looking. So I did father follow my father's advice and took a teaching job when I first got out of college. Fortunately, I didn't major in teaching. Then I used to have nightmares that I had to do that again. And then I, I was actually selling encyclopedias door to door. And that taught me incredible sales skills that I see now are really valuable. And I've been married twice and divorced twice and have had a lot of interesting experiences. In the 1970s, I gave everything I owned away for the first time and just went wandering for quite a while just to find out how to listen to that inner voice so I could find out who I am. Uh, In the 1980s, I built a business, a crystal business. I was the first one to market crystals and minerals for healing and meditation nationwide. And I had a line of stones called Jones Stones that were in 600 stores. And I loved that business. And I started bringing in, in today's money, $50,000 a month and wound up going bankrupt because I didn't understand how to manage cash flow. And that really got me going in a different direction. And uh, I was also sick for quite a while. It's been a long story, but here I am. I'm going to be 75 at the end of the year. I'm healthier than I've never been. I've been doing business online for 20 years. I live the life that I want to live. I work 
until four or five o'clock every afternoon when I go to the dog park with my dog, Angel. And I've learned to live a relaxed but prosperous life. <laughs> and I love how you emphasize that relaxed yeah. because we don't find a lot of that. <laughs> and I'm I'm guilty of it myself. So, oh my goodness, Joan, you've had quite a journey, led a very interesting life. And I'm looking forward to diving more into that in a moment. And clearly you, you have confidence now in yourself and your abilities. You can clearly pick yourself up from anything, but take us back to a time when you were playing small and you may not have been aware of it at the time. Share with us the story and the lessons you've learned. Well, when you say playing small, I'm not quite sure when I did that. I mean, yes, I, I played small by accepting my place in the family as girls don't have the same value as boys. And I, I was playing small when I actually took that teaching job because that was what was expected of me. And I think that what I've learned over the years is almost the screw you attitude. <laughs> you know, it's like, don't tell me what I'm supposed to do. And it's been a journey trying to find my place in the marketplace where I can be who I am. And, you know, I'm an uh, early adopter. I'm a little out there and learning to be me. And, you know, when I started this podcast that I have now two years ago, I had had another one from 2005 to 2007. But in 2013, I started it again and started going on other people's podcasts. And that allowed me to see myself in an entirely different mirror. And I think the last time that I played small was when, was when I was afraid to tell my audience how old I am, because I'm in a business where everybody's a lot younger than I am. I think I'm the oldest person doing a podcast. And at some point I said, wait a minute, Let's not devalue my experience. Be who I am because that's the value that I have. That's huge. And yes, those those absolutely are the times when we play small, when we do something because we feel like that's what we're supposed to do, even though it doesn't fit and it doesn't feel right. Um, and holding back the truth about ourselves because we're worried about how we'll be judged or seen that absolutely is playing small. Not that it's necessarily a bad thing. Cause you know, sometimes I know as business owners, we pick and choose, you know, what we, what we want to share with the world, but when we're doing it and making ourselves smaller, right. And hiding something about ourselves that definitely can steal our confidence. Well, right. And I, I keep looking at what, what it is deep down inside that makes people do what they do. How do they make their decisions? And I see that our need for connection and our need for touch is so basic to who we are that if there's any concern that if we show who we are, we're not going to be accepted by the tribe, whatever that tribe is, that we hold back because our fear of being alone is one of our biggest fears because humans instinctively know that if they're alone, they cannot thrive. And so it's as deep as the fear of death. 
If I'm mm-hmm. disconnected, I cannot survive. And so we'll do all sorts of things so you don't push me out of the tribe. Yes. Like we tolerate a lot so that we'll be accepted. Right. People pleasing, all sorts of codependent behavior. And, and so what we do is we're in the tribe, but we're separated from ourselves. And that causes a big empty hole inside. Yes. And it also prevents us from finding our true tribe. Yes. Right. The people who are like us, because we have to speak up about who we are and what we're about in order for other people like us to find us. And I I think part of the journey is learning to find points of commonality with many different kinds of people. Mm -hmm. I kind of have a bunch of different tribes. There's my business tribe, there's the tribe at Dog Park, there's other podcasters. And when I look at people, if I see how I'm different from them, that gives me a feeling of separation. But if I look for the similarities, then I automatically feel more connected because I'm psychically connecting to them and realizing that we really are one being. Mm, That was so well said, Joan. Thank you for that. Now, Joan, share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake-up call. Take us back to that moment and share with us the steps you took that led to your success. Well, I think the first wake-up call I had was when a doctor said to me when I was in my early 30s that I would never be healthy that I should get used to all of my physical disorders and that I was just a hypochondriac. And I thought to myself, uh, that's not my story. And <laughs> I, I had always been trying to find out why I was sick and my brothers weren't. And, you know, what, what was making me sick? Now, remember, this is in, you know, the 1950s, 1960s. So there wasn't a whole lot of information around it. The, time there was one, I don't even think there was a, a, a natural food store or a health food store in, in California. And so that has led me on this lifelong quest to find out how my body systems work, how, and what I can do to change it. Because once you understand how the system works, even if you haven't gone to medical school, then it's not that difficult to find out how to fix it. Once you understand that it's all about biochemistry and when you figure out what your body needs, my body did not need Valium, which they gave me for years. My body did not need all the psychotropic drugs that were given to me. My body didn't need medicine like that. It needed food and meditation and meditation and and other relaxation techniques to get me past the biochemistry of stress so that when that doctor said that to me, that was really something that pushed me forward in my life. Mm. And have you applied that in any other areas besides your health that I don't have to accept this answer? There's answers out there. Yes. Uh, it makes me a bit of a rebel. And, <laughs> and just because a person has a degree doesn't make them smart. <laughs> they just have a degree. Uh, People ask me what my credentials are, and I say, well, I was really screwed up, and now I'm fine. 
And to me, if someone says that to me, then I know they know what they're talking about. But I have uh, no respect for people who learn a lot of data and then spew back data. It's when we're learning how to respond on this inner level with intuition and looking forward and, and not trying to just hold on to the knowledge that we have that to me makes life a lot richer and often a lot more comfortable. Mm. And what I want to really emphasize and make sure those who are listening really get is if there's any areas in your life where you're feeling like this is not my story, this is not the story I want to live, that's where you need to focus and start asking the questions and creating a different story for yourself. And I was going to say, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like when I left my first marriage, this was in 1964, where people just weren't getting divorced a lot. But I knew I, I was living in suburbia, married to a good Jewish boy, right? And all the things I was supposed to do. And I just looked around one day and I said, this is just not who I am. Even though there wasn't a whole lot of personal growth and development stuff around at that time. I mean, I, I really had no role models. I had no, no way of knowing which way to, direction to go in. And, and when I made that decision to leave, it's like I was standing in the middle of this moat, you know, with this, this empty space around me and it was scary, but I knew I had to do it. And, and that's the thing that holds people back is, is not being able to deal with the uncertainty that their decisions will bring. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. Especially the way you said that this, this is not who I am. That's so great. All right, Joan, what I want everyone to get is there is no one way to lead. I like how you've already kind of illuminated where this is going. You're a bit of a rebel, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're all different and we're going to lead differently. So Joan, how would you describe your leadership style? Living by example. I mean, the, I can't teach someone how, how to be a leader. I can give them hints. I, I have lots of things I've written along the way. I have programs that I give, all sorts of things. But if I'm not living it, if I'm not being peaceful, if I'm not feeling prosperous, if I'm not living the life that I want to live, then I can't tell you, you're not going to believe anything I have to say. Because mm -hmm. if I'm leading, then I have to live it. Yeah, you got to walk your talk. All right, Joan, what is, I know this might be hard, what is one thing that you are working on right now that you're really excited about and want to share with us? Oh, that's easy. Yeah. I, I am immersing myself in genetic testing, actually genomic testing. I really see that, and I've seen this for a long time, that our early childhood experiences affect our business and financial outcomes. And I really see that when you understand your genetic makeup, that you can make a different kind of decision. And there's all this studying that's going on now about how adverse childhood experiences affect us on a genetic level. And there is in Santa Fe a, uh, a biochemist nutritionist who's certified in genomics and his partner who is an MD, Roberta Klein, and we're working together now because 
they have put together a panel of of genetic tests that measures these variations in your genetic code that happen as a result of stress starting in early childhood and what you can do about it. There are other companies that are doing genetic testing like 23andMe, but the 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 reports that we're giving out now have not only what's going on, but what to do about it, uh, nutritionally, lifestyle-wise, so that you can make really wise decisions about what you should do. And a lot of people already know what they should do, but they still eat that candy bar every day. Or the, uh, <laughs> As someone who has been off sugar for 42 years, thank you, I have the right to say that I know what it means to be off sugar. And if you still want to eat it, but you see in black and white with these tests that this is exactly what it's doing to you, you're more apt to uh, follow the advice of someone who's trying to help you. And if you're resisting getting well, then there's something emotionally going on. And these panels are even measuring emotional genes. So I'm excited about that. That's fascinating. And I think you're absolutely right. There's a lot of us who we know what we're supposed to do, but unless we see the facts on why we're supposed to do those things and the direct impact they're having, we're not, it's not that we're not interested. It's not that we don't want to do better. It's just, we don't see the impact. We don't make the connection of the impact between our behavior and the outcome. Um, so that's huge. Right. And when you see, well, if, if, if I have this variation in my genetic code, there's a possibility that this specific thing can happen in the future. Uh, there's no guarantee, but it's possible. But it's like, to give you an example, when I first met Joe Veltman, who's the, the PhD behind this, um, I, I started seeing him as a client 15 years ago when I first got to, to Santa Fe, and he really helped me a lot. But I was being tested and being shown that I was becoming osteoporotic, and I did not want to have osteoporosis. And I was doing all sorts of good things. I was taking lots of calcium and walking every day. And so he said, well, let's run one of these genetic panels. And of the four things that were measured, I, of the five things that were measured, I had four that were, that were not working properly. And I wasn't absorbing uh, vitamin D or calcium. I wasn't making calcitonin. I mean, really serious problems. And so I had, he gave me a, a, a bunch of supplements to take a lot of them. And, and I don't have, here we are 10 years later and I don't have osteoporosis. So I've seen this at work. In other words, I made the decision that I didn't want to have osteoporosis. So, and, and this particular thing didn't require that I change what I was eating. I just had to add a whole bunch of supplements and, and it really made a difference. That's huge. All right, Joe, now I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. So tell us, what is one practice that helps to make you a better leader? Meditation. But just by getting in touch with myself on a daily basis and listening to that inner voice and actually putting what I hear into action. What is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? The Confidence Code, which is 
written specifically for women. And it's about why we don't take that step forward. Why we're so into perfectionism and we let the, the men speak up. They don't know what they're talking about, but they speak up you know, and they get the mm -hmm. attention that it's really confidence that matters more than competence, because that's how people judge you is by your confidence. And mm -hmm. I'd like to mention one other book, which talks about these adverse childhood experiences and the whole thing that I was just talking about. And that's childhood disrupted. Uh, just fascinating, eye-opening book. And uh, those two books together, I think are really important. I'm adding them to my list as we speak. <laughs> All right, Joan, knowing what you know now, if given a chance to go back and do anything differently, what would you change? I would know that Joni Sotkin was okay and that it was okay to be who I am. I, the love yourself piece is so important. And since I didn't know how, I, I wasn't given a lot of affection and love and people took care of me. My parents were very responsible, but I never learned that self-love piece. And, and it's something that people can do at any age is where you stop telling yourself you're doing things wrong and what you should do and all that negative self-talk. And I wish I had known that a bit earlier. This has become a theme um, in the last few interviews I've done where women have talked a lot about how important it is to love and appreciate yourself. But first and foremost, stop beating yourself up. Absolutely. For making mistakes. Because there are no mistakes. There are only learning experiences. And the mm -hmm. problem is when you make a so-called mistake and you harp on it, then you haven't learned anything from it. And so when you make a mistake, you say, okay, what should I do next time? So it doesn't have the same outcome. Mm. How else are you going to learn? I mean, we, we don't come, we don't come into this world with an owner's manual and we are going to screw up because that's just how humans learn. It's like if, imagine if the first time a baby fell down and it's, you know, when it was learning to walk and is it, oh, my goodness, I really made a mistake. <laughs> you know, that kid would be sitting down for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. So true. So true. And actually, in um, the programs where I'm teaching leaders, I talk about that. But from the perspective of the adults, right, when a child falls down, what do we do? You know, what do we do? We clap. We say hooray yeah. just because they tried. Right. Right. I had so <laughs> right. Yeah, I had someone working for me, helping me out when a uh, number of years ago, a young woman who lived next door to me and she was absolutely paralyzed because she was so afraid of making a mistake. So I said to her, you know, if you don't make mistakes, then you really can't do this anymore for me because it means that you're, you're not thinking for yourself. So every time she made a mistake, I would say, yay, you made a mistake. Isn't that fabulous? <laughs> you know? and, mm -hmm. and it really changed her life. Yeah. The whole, like, I tried. If I'm making mistakes, it means I'm trying something new. Right, right. And I'm trying to grow. Right. And a mistake is just a learning experience. That's all it is. I love it. All right, Joan, share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. Well. One of them is uh, worrying is a waste of time. My first spiritual teacher said that worrying is a waste of time. 
And I thought to myself, what a concept. And it took me about 20 years to learn to stop worrying, but I was working on it for all that time. And so I think that's really important. Uh, for business people, one of my favorite, favorite quotes from Marcus Lemonis, who has a program called The Profit, P-R-O-F-I-T. He always says, if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. And that's the real down-to-earth business advice that I think is really important. Huge, huge. You have to know your numbers. Oh, can I tell you one more? This, sure. This is, this is one <laughs> I got in the fifth grade. My fifth grade teacher was Ms. Veith. Now, Ms. Veith looked like Miss Grundy from the Archie comics, very thin, mm -hmm. older woman with the gray top knot on the top of her head. And she would stand in front of the classroom and she'd kind of hunch over a little bit and say, don't be an eye canter. And she'd still stand up straight and say, be an eye willer. And, and I got that in the fifth grade and that was really important. I love that. I'm writing it down. Huge. All right, Joan, lastly, what is the best way for those listening to connect with you? Prosperityplace.com. You'll see what I have to offer. My book, Build Your Money Muscles, my podcast, The Prosperity Show, which I do twice a week. And, uh, and write to me. I love to answer email, believe it or not. Mm. Joan at prosperityplace.com. Uh, there is an interview with Joe Veltman on the epigenetics on my site. You, there's lots of really interesting information there. So just go to prosperityplace.com. Yeah, I was going to underscore that. Your website is chock full of free resources and tools. Your podcast is great. People should check you out there um, and just dive into your world because it's fascinating. So, And for those listening, you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com or you can use the short link, which is womentl.com. You'll find Joan's show notes page with all of the links of where to find her and all of her answers to all the questions. So go there and check it out. And Joan, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We're all better for having met you. And thank you for letting me share. I love to do this. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Were you inspired to take some action today, but maybe don't know where to start? Or maybe you have so many great ideas, you can't decide where to focus your attention. Don't let stress or overwhelm stop you from having the career, the business, or the life you want to live. Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching or use the short link womentl.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. So here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.